0: You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. Nothing like that sweet, precious name, Jesus. I've got to tell you something cool that happened um, Thursday night, last night at Bible school at Nueva Vita. By the way, Pastor Walter, Miss Veronica, all that crowd sends their love and prayers. They say hello. But on Thursday night was their last night, and they were going to have a Christian clown. I've been called that myself, kind of think of it. Clown, anyway. And uh, so we just couldn't miss that. And a little guy came in and a Hispanic gentleman spoke Spanish. but spoke English too, but he did his little act in Spanish. A little short kind of round guy and uh, clown makeup and all. And At first it was kind of funny and then it got serious. And I just kind of sat there from a distance and I watched as a room full of children were just mesmerized. Not at his big shoes and funny nose and hair. But as he took a copy of God's Word and began sharing the gospel... Now admittedly, I understood only a few words that he said. But I just began to weep at how beautiful the gospel is in any language. Even when you don't understand what the person's saying. When you know it's the gospel and you know that it is impacting the lives of children. What a blessing. You see, that's why Jesus came to earth. Not to make a name for himself even though he did, not just to do many wonderful works, although he did, not just so that each of our births would be recorded based on his birth, but he came to be about his father's business. If you were here last week, we began the two-part series on my father's business. I didn't know it was going to be a two-part series until after last week. But we, thought, we saw the picture in Luke chapter 2 of Jesus as a 12-year-old little boy as he was sitting in the temple... The feast of the Passover had been complete. His earthly parents were making their way back to Nazareth and they realized after a day's journey he's gone, he's missing, so they retraced their steps until finally they find him right where they left him. We always do. And they find him in the temple and after a little bit of a rebuke, Jesus turns and says, But mother, you had to know that I was about my father's business. Well, I enjoyed preaching that, and it was an interesting glimpse into the adolescence of Jesus. And after the service, I began thinking, I wonder if we really realize what my father's business is all about. Beloved, I want to tell you that the church in the 21st century, by and large, has forgotten what his business is all about. We have business meetings, and we discuss a lot of things, but very little of it is of kingdom relevance. We have so many events and activities, and if we're not careful, we'll get so busy that we forget it's not a church business. It's a kingdom business. I get so busy and so active doing all kinds of good things that at times I forget to do the best thing, and that's to be about my father's business. So so this week I just began thinking and looking, and God led me to the entire chapter, of uh, the fourth chapter of Luke, And this gives us a picture. Now let me go ahead and say in our time we've got together, we're not going to look at the entire chapter. We're just going to hit the highlights and see the main points about what Jesus identifies as being His Father's business. Three points very quickly. Begin looking in verse number one. If you happen to write in your Bible or highlight in your Bible, I want you to get this verse and make sure you call special attention to this. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost... Not just familiar with him, uh, not just impressed by his works, but being filled of the Holy Ghost. And you say, but now wait a minute. He was the Son of God. I am grateful to know that because of the Pentecostal promise, we can be filled with the Holy Ghost in our salvation. Continue looking. He returned from Jordan. Remember, he's just been baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now let me just stop and tell you, there are a couple of things in this verse that if you're not careful, you'll miss. Number one, Jesus is going into a time of temptation. We acknowledge that. But who led him there? It was the Spirit of God that led him there. Sometimes God allows us. God even leads us into a place of temptation. Don't think that every time a trial comes, it's necessarily an attack of the devil. Sometimes it's God working through that to better us and to mature us. But it also says, Not only was he led by the Spirit into the wilderness, uh, but he also uh, was going to be in the presence of the enemy. Now, I want to tell you, there are times I just wish God would keep me out of the presence of the enemy. But we need to acknowledge that we have a roaring mighty lion seeking whom he might devour. He wants to encounter us, and we are going to have to encounter our enemy from time to time. There are three things I want to share with you this morning when we look at what it was that Jesus identified As his father's business. Number one, it was to defeat our enemy. There was an enemy that had to be dealt with. There was an enemy that had to be confronted and there was an enemy that had to be defeated. Now let me say you and I while we have a common enemy we also have a common inability to uh, confront our enemy and to deal with him and to defeat him. We simply cannot. There are many people out there today that are fighting battles that they will never win because they are fighting them in their own strength. When David faced Goliath and by the way Goliath Goliath is a clear picture of the devil himself. When, When David faced Goliath, Goliath looked at him and said, I'm bigger than you. David said, but my God is bigger than you. Realizing that David could not defeat this giant but that God could. Friend, you and I already have a defeated enemy. We don't need to try to fight him every day. We need to stand our ground based on the authority of the Word of God. Three times the enemy came against Jesus and three times Jesus confronted the enemy with the words of Scripture. Why is it so important that we hide the Word of God in our heart? So that we will not sin against God. It is our armor. It is our ammunition. It is is our fortress. It is the Word of God that secures us when the, when, the, when the enemy comes against us. Also, I want you to note here, Jesus has just been baptized. His ordination has just been made complete. He has just begun his, his earthly ministry. In fact, He's not performed a miracle yet. He's not done any great and wondrous works. And before He can even get started, the enemy's coming against Him. and and launching a full-on attack. Now, I want you to know something. When you accept Christ, or when you step out and say, I'm going to stand for Christ, I'm going to live for Christ, I'm going to, to follow Him in baptism, I'm going to surrender my life to Him, when that happens, a bleep goes on the enemy's radar, and He will come against you. He'll throw everything He has at you. And when He does, you remember, He has already been Defeated. Three things under this as we realize we have a defeated enemy. Number one, when we look back at this account as Jesus defeated the enemy, remember that that defeat and our victory will sustain us in the midst of trials knowing that he has been defeated. That should sustain us. Listen, trials are going to come. You may have read a book that you picked up that says if you'll get saved, you'll only have Fridays. You'll never have a Monday. You may have watched a program and told that if you'll simply give your life to Christ, everything is going to be great. Everything is going to be wonderful. Well, friend, tell that to Job. Tell that to the Old Testament saints who went through uh, so much. Tell that to the New Testament martyrs who literally died for their faith. We need need to understand that it is the victory we have in Christ that will sustain us in the midst of trials. The God on the mountain, He's still what? God in the valley. Number two, not only does this victory sustain us in the midst of trials, but it also stops us in the midst of temptation. As I was working on this outline, I was trying to come up with a wonderful word that began with the letter S, and I just kept coming to this simple little four-letter word, stop. Whenever we're met with temptation, listen, we don't need to try to handle it. We don't need to try to analyze it. We don't need to try to figure it out. We need to do what? Stop. The other day I had an experience. I've got to admit, lately I've got a bit more on my mind than I can handle. And that's okay. Uh, I'm grateful for it. These are blessed days. But I was driving down the road. I was coming into Elizabethtown, and the light changed from green um, to yellow to red. And I almost had a panic attack. I was thinking about a lot of things at that moment, uh, and, and I just, my mind would not work. Have you ever had a moment where your mind does not work? Joe, you just poked Gary and said, you sure do, hey, amen. I mean, we have those moments, right? Well, as I was watching the light, and it's still a ways off, maybe 75 yards, getting to be 50 yards, and the light goes green, yellow, red. My mind would not work. I, I could not think to save my life what I was supposed to do. I thought for a moment maybe I'd had a stroke, maybe I'd had a senior moment. I wasn't sure, and then I realized I just had a lot on my mind, right? And and so I almost panicked. I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I supposed to stop? Am I supposed to go? Am I supposed to slow down? Am I supposed to speed up? Am I supposed to call a friend? Am I supposed to ask a lifeline? I don't know. So you know what I did? I stopped. I just stopped. And I was glad I did. Listen, there are going to be things that are going to come against us in life and we're going to go, I don't know whether I'm supposed to stop. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to go. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to proceed with caution. And what am I supposed to do? When it comes to temptation, when it comes to those attacks of the enemy, just stop. Just stop. I know this message may speak different to young people or to older people or to middle-aged people. Not everybody's dealing with the same temptation. You've probably heard me tell that the very first sermon I I preached out in a public place was at a nursing home. And yes, I preached on adultery. I did. If I'm lying, I'm dying, I honestly preached on adultery. About halfway through the message, I thought this was the biggest mistake I've ever made. I will never be invited to preach anywhere again. All of my friends were right when they told me that I was crazy if I thought God had called me to preach. Not, but I I said that recently and somebody said you'll be surprised. But anyway, we don't need to go down that road. (laughs) But every person in this room is dealing with a different temptation, right? A 15-year-old boy and a 95-year-old man probably dealing with different temptations. A 7-year-old little girl and a 70-year-old grandma probably dealing with different temptations, right? But there is one common thing about every temptation. And that is that it's been defeated. The Bible says this about temptation, that there's no temptation that's rare. I'm kind of giving you the paraphrase. There's no temptation that's rare or unique. It's all common. We all deal with temptation. And there's never been a temptation that was so strong that we could not overcome it, that we could not have victory through it. But here's the problem. We try to face temptation on our own. Now, if you're dealing with a temptation in your life, you probably said, I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to do better tomorrow. Paul thought he could. And he said, God, why? I keep doing the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I know I ought to do. Paul, the greatest missionary of all time. And he struggled with that. So here's what I want to teach you. If you don't remember anything else this morning, you'll probably remember this. Everybody clear your hands because we need to play a little game. Okay, we're going to use our hands. Are you all happy to be here Okay, I was just checking. Some of you didn't look like it. All right, here we go. Everybody got your hands ready? Um, everybody needs a partner, so look to the person to your left or your right, so you're going to be my partner. Here we go. We're going to play rock, paper, scissors. I'm glad you showed back up. I was about to have to be your daddy's partner. Okay. Miss Ann, have you ever done rock, paper, scissors? You have? I need somebody that has not, so I can play against them. No, you, I, we'll be partners, okay? Rock, remember, rock, paper, scissors, right? Okay. Now, remember now, rock beats what? Rock beats scissors. Scissors beats paper beats. Y'all got it figured out, right? Okay, so here's what we're going to do one time. Just one time. I'm not going to do this all day. One time we're going to do rock, paper, scissors. Me and Miss Anne. Okay, ready? Here we go. On, on the third time you have to do, you know, you go bump, bump, down. Okay, here we go. Ready? Bump, bump, bump. I beat you. Woo! All right. Okay. Okay. Now here it is. We deal with temptation that way. We have rock paper and scissors and the enemy has rock paper and scissors. So he comes against us his way and we go against him our way. And, and at best about 50% of the time we win, 50% of the time we lose. That's how temptation works, right? No, 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 no. Now, as a law's person, yes. A lost person only has their mental capacity, their emotional strength. All a lost person has is rock, paper, and scissors, but I've got good news. Because of the finished work of Christ upon the cross, because of the confrontation of Christ with the enemy here in Luke 4, the tempter has been defeated. Now, he doesn't want you to tell him that, but that's exactly what we need to tell him. Here it is. When you and I got saved, the Bible says that we were filled with the power of God. In the Greek, it is the word dunamis, which means dynamite. It is strength and it is power and it is fortitude. So while the enemy has rock, paper, and scissors, in Christ we have dynamite. Everybody say that with me, dynamite. Well, here's the deal. Dynamite, it blows up rock, paper, and scissors. Dynamite always trumps the other three. The enemy wants you to think that the only way you can deal with temptation is in your own strength and in your own power and your own merit. Well, all the time we have a defeated foe. The foe of Christ is the the foe of every believer. He cannot take away our salvation, so he he wants to weaken our relationship. He wants to break our fellowship. And the way he does is by coming to us with temptation. And you may say, well, I just can't help myself. I've heard people tell me that. I can't help myself. If that's the case, then you're calling the Word of God and God a liar. Because the Bible says there is no temptation that we cannot overcome in Christ. Why? Because he's given us dynamite. Because he's given us dunamis. He's given us his strength and his power. And Satan does not have access to that. Why? Because he's defeated. He cannot be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. So whatever it is that you're dealing with today, Whatever that temptation is that is common to us all, even though it takes on different forms, it is that part of us that the enemy attacks, that the enemy comes against. In in, in the case of Christ, it was the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and all these things, the very same things that come against us. And when the enemy attacks us and when the enemy causes us to be tempted, we need to take our rock and take our papers and take our scissors and cast them to the side and say, I have dynamite and I can overcome every temptation. Number one, the father's business was about defeating our enemy. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Moving to number two. Secondly, his father's business was to deliver us. Verses 14 through 41 deal with this. And for time's sake, there's no way we can pick this apart. But let me just give it to you in two verses. Verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now this is cool. Stop there for a moment. Have you ever seen your name in the paper? kind of makes you feel good, right? I asked that one time, and a fellow said, the only time I'll ever see my name in the papers and the obituaries, and I didn't want to correct him. But, uh, you know, I remember as a high schooler, one time they put my name in the paper because I'd had a really good baseball game. And, and man, I probably still got that paper somewhere, and I thought it was so cool. But think about this. Jesus stood up in the temple, as his custom was, and they handed him the book of the prophet Isaiah, an 800-year-old document. And he opens it up. Can you imagine, can you hear the sound of the screeching of the scroll as as those papers are unfolding? And it's been read thousands of times in that temple. But this time when he reads it, he reads it in the first person. Notice what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind. He has sent me to to set at liberty those that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and he laid it to the side and everybody there was amazed because he spoke with power and authority. Wow. We have the benefit of knowing the end of the book. We have the benefit of knowing Bartimaeus whose eyes were open. We, We have the benefit of knowing about the Samaritan woman. We have the benefit of knowing about the calming of the storms and, and, and the leper's healing and, the, and all of that. We, we have the benefit of all that and we can say, yes, Jesus did all of that. What a wonderful, wonderful story. The autobiography of Christ. But when Jesus began reading this, none of those things had happened. And you might think they were excited and they were jubilant, but they were angry. And they even ran him out of town, tried to throw him off a cliff, But He turned and just walked through them and they couldn't lay a hand on Him. Why? Because He had not yet delivered us. Think about this. What can He deliver us from? When we talk about deliverance, think about physical healing. There's a picture here of one who was physically sick and Jesus healed healed many. A mother-in-law's miracle, I call it. You see, it was God who made us and it was God who can fix us. Sometimes God chooses to take the sickness out of us. Sometimes God chooses to take us out of the sickness. I'm always hurt when God doesn't answer my prayer like I wanted him to. About a year ago, maybe a little less than that, I was sitting on a, a couch with a dear friend who was dying with terminal cancer. And he said, Cameron, I, I'm, I'm good. He said, I'm good. He said, if my dying will bring one person to faith in Christ, then it was worth it all. And he didn't just mean the day he died, but he meant his dying experience. This guy was so excited about what Jesus was doing in his life, he got up every morning and went out places to share his testimony. He even began going to the nursing home. He told me, he said, you know, people in the nursing home are a captive audience. He said, and they don't have people come see them, and, and, and many of them need Jesus. So he began going to the nursing homes, and sharing Jesus with people. He began going to places where other people that were suffering with cancer and he would share Jesus with them. And he said, he said, man, this is amazing. He said, all of the doors that have been opened to me only because I have cancer. And I'm sitting there going, do what? You know, you're embracing this? You're accepting this? Because I don't understand that because God hasn't given me that measure of grace that I would need at that moment. You see, he understood that physical healing would never truly take place on this planet. Early one Sunday morning, about a month ago, he was permanently healed. The last few weeks, I've watched a young lady. Her name is Jen. Jen's 37 years old. I've shared a little bit of her story. Her mom and dad are heartbroken because she has cancer. Her children are heartbroken because she has cancer. Her husband is heartbroken because she has cancer. And somehow God's given her an amazing, just special grace... So when I talk with her, she said, please pray for my mom and dad. They're having such a hard time with this. Please pray for my kids. They're, they're struggling to understand this. Please pray for my husband. He's struggling. She never says, please pray God would take this cancer away. Now, I don't know about you. I think that would be my prayer. God, take this for me. But somehow she gets that through it all, God's being glorified. Why? Part of that song. "Old death, where is your sting?" O grave, where is your victory? You see, physical healing, sometimes the Bible says that the prayer of faith will save the sick. Sometimes God chooses to take sickness from us and we celebrate those miracles. But at the end of the day, every one of us will die. But we don't die defeated, we die victorious. Number two, not only is there physical healing, there's also emotional healing. In this particular text, we see a demoniac who's overwhelmed and and there's no hope, there's no cure. In fact, society would cast him out because of his demon possession. They didn't even want to try to find him help. Did you hear that? They didn't even want to find him help. Guys, we're living in that day. In the 21st century, I wished I would tell you that things have changed, but they haven't. So many people today are struggling with mental illness. and If you don't believe me, go to New York City with me sometimes. So many of the homeless people are struggling with mental illness and and they've just been cast out. If you go to the doctor today and you say, I'm struggling with with some emotional problems and some some mental problems, they're not going to say, well, hey, let's sit and talk for three hours. They're going to say, let me write you a prescription. Let me do this, let me do that. And you think there's only one who can truly heal us emotionally. And his name is Jesus. At the very mention of the name Jesus, these demons fled. And and we're dealing with our own demons of of doubt and discouragement. I think think about my own personal struggles. Now, I've, I've been open and shared this with you a number of times, but 20 years ago, I was so in the grips of depression that I could see nothing but darkness. There were days that I would wake up literally sad that I did. I did everything I knew to do. I tried everything that man could offer and all those things. Um, And finally, one day it broke. Through an amazing support of my wife and other family members, even some folks at our church that we were serving that I let into that part of my world, Things that once brought me joy no longer did. I mean, it was a bad time. After I finally kind of got through that and and really, I believe, a miracle of of deliverance from that, I cried out and I said, God, why? God, this last year, this last two years, it's been miserable. God, I've not been productive for you. God, I've not wanted to live. God, why did you allow me to go through this? I did not want this chapter. God. There's so much more I could have done if I had not been struggling with that. God, why? And he spoke very clearly. And he said, because you have a lifetime ahead of you of dealing with people who are struggling. And unless you've ever been in their shoes, you will never truly appreciate what they're going through. When someone comes to me today and says, I'm depressed, I don't say, oh, you'll be all right, shake it off. Read read this verse, you know. No, let's talk. Let's find you some help. Here's the thing. Satan deals with every person in a unique way, but he deals with every person. Maybe you're here today and you can see nothing but darkness around you. Maybe you cannot see the light of the day. Maybe you cannot hear the birds rejoicing. And maybe it's something of your own doing and maybe not. David dealt with that, but it was of his own doing. I wonder, have you truly, and this sounds trite, but have you truly surrendered it to the Lord? I, I deal with the same demon every, every Sunday afternoon. Tommy, I don't know if you ever dealt with this. But I will leave here in a very short period of time. Thought I'd look at my watch, everybody else was. Um, and I will get in my car and I will spend 20 minutes going, man, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you didn't say this. Man, you should have said this. You should have done that. Man, we should have sung another verse. We should have. Because that's part of it's just my little weird psyche. Part of it, that's how the enemy attacks me. You know? And, and at times I'll be on the way home and I'll say, well, I know this person probably didn't like that. I know this person probably got offended. Well, we went over a little bit, so this person... And God just says, it's not about them. It's about me. If you get up week in and week out and say, Lord, this is for an audience of one, and Lord, I want to serve you, and Lord, I want to work for you, and Lord, I want to be yours, then why are you so worried about everybody else? You know? When we live our lives and saying, Lord, it's me and you. Yeah, I got to deal with stuff, and yeah, I got to deal with people, and yeah, I got a lot of relationships. But Lord, it's me and you. I am not walking this journey alone. When the tempter comes against me and he tries to snatch away every bit of joy and happiness, I need to remind that tempter that he is defeated and he has no place speaking to me, no place, listen, no place entertaining me, no place uh, causing me to doubt and despair. Emotional healing. It's about coming to the place that we're so emptied of ourselves and so filled with Christ, because we realize that we have been delivered. Number three, not only physical healing and emotional healing, but spiritual healing. Spiritual healing. You know, we sometimes want all of the good things of God, but we don't know Him and we don't want Him. Let me give you this. And many of you have heard this story, but it's very fitting. And some of you haven't heard this story. Years ago, uh, I went into a home. Um, It was a beautiful mansion. And uh, it, it, the, the man and woman that owned the home had both passed away, and they had left everything to their estate, their children. Their family had come into the home, and they had gotten all the valuable stuff. They had gotten much of the furniture, they had gotten the jewelry, they had gotten the silverware, they had gotten, you know, all those kinds of accoutrements, a lot of fancy things, right? It's a fancy word, too. Um, they, they had gotten all the stuff that they wanted. And then they'd put the house up for sale, and here was the deal anything left in the house went with the house. And I'm going around and thinking, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, you buy this house and you get all this free stuff. There was a box right behind the couch. And I walked over and curiosity got the best of me. I thought, I wonder what's in this box. It's here. It comes with the house. I wonder what's here. And I opened that box. And there were the ashes of the man and woman who had worked and labored for all this. They built this home. Purchased all these things their whole life. And their family wanted their stuff, but they didn't want them. They just left them. They just abandoned them. The first thing I thought was, man, this will make a great sermon illustration. And then it broke my heart just to think, wow, how selfish. But that's how we are sometimes. God, I want your joy and I want your contentment and I want your peace. God, I want your stuff, but I really don't want you. God, I really don't want your relationship. I don't want things on your terms. I want them on my terms. And he says, hey, I will deliver you, but you've got to take me. It's about coming into a relationship. Listen, religion will not save you. Rituals will not save you. Only a relationship with the deliverer will save you. Number three, and I'm done. His father's business was to defeat the enemy. His father's business was to deliver us. But above all else, His Father's business was to die for us. To die for us. You know the verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave. The Father gave. His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus understood when those precious little hands reached forth out of a feeding trough, those hands would soon be pierced. When those feet, as a child, began to take his first steps, he understood that his last steps would be up a hill called Calvary. Jesus' accusers in this text tried to stop his ministry before it began, but his death would be on his terms and on his timing. Verse 43 of this text. My, my, I wish we had more time. It's such a rich text. And the Bible said that Jesus in verse 42 departed and went into a desert place and the people sought after Him, the unreligious people, the non-religious people. And they came unto Him and stayed with Him and He should not depart from them. And then He said unto them, Don't, don't, don't cut me off just yet. I want you to get this part. And Jesus said unto those who followed Him, "I must, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities. For therefore I am sent. I am sent. There was the preaching of kingdom business. John the Baptist had preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus would preach about the saving grace that His Father would have for every person who would believe. The word caruso is a Greek word and it means to preach. It means literally to be a herald of truth. I'm getting to the point now where I can work with young preacher boys and I enjoy that. And whenever somebody talks about what it is to be a preacher, I always say it's like this. You find a place worth standing on. That's the Word of God. And you firmly plant your feet and you stand so firm as if you were waiting on the biggest, most fierce wave that has ever crashed on the seashore to hit you. And with all of the strength you had, you stand. And you proclaim at the top of your voice with all of the passion that you have, with all of the love in your heart for the people of God and those who need to know Him, the truth, which is Jesus loves you. And that Jesus died for you. And that Jesus wants to come into your heart and to save you. You see, that was His ultimate kingdom business. The purpose of His business, the Bible says, was to seek and to save that which was lost. And the power of kingdom business is to overcome all that which would overcome us without Him. He handled our sin debt. He handled all of the things of this world, our temptations, our trials, our struggles. But may I ask you, what is it that He needs to handle in your life today? What is it that needs to be surrendered at the foot of the cross today? There's always going to be a battle a battle for that fellowship, a battle for that relationship to be strong and to be sweet. But what is it that you're struggling with, church? Are we about our Father's business? I'm going to say this in in love, and please don't take it any other way because so many times things I get said get spun and spun and spun. Do we really understand what we're to be about? I think some of us do. But some are missing out. And it's not that I want to beat you up for missing out. I want you to not miss out. Over the last 30 or 45 days, I guess, I've probably had 20 phone calls and emails and other correspondence reminding me what our Constitution says. Everybody's looking and listening now. Praise God. Preacher, I've been reading the Constitution. I'm glad. And I want to say, but have you been reading the Bible? Are we so sold out to the Lord to the point that we understand biblically what we're to be about? Folks, there used to be churches in trouble. Now there are whole associations. I speak in associations where literally there'll be 30 or 40 churches and not one One single church is experiencing growth. And I'll ask ask their director of missions, i say, what's going on in your county? And he says, man, they're running preachers off as quick as they can. Because churches, by and large, don't want to be led. They don't want to be gospel-centered. They don't want to be kingdom churches. They want to be country club for Christians or places where the saints of God can get together and hold hands and sing kumbaya. we've got some business to do, y'all. I think the leadership of the church is on board and gets it. We've got business to do, and the only way we can do business is do it biblically. I miss Mr. Coley already so much. I'd get kind of stumped sometimes on some Roberts Rules of Order and constitutional stuff, and I'd go talk to him about it. He's pretty smart. And he said, "Cameron, don't ever forget two things that trump the constitution of the church. Common sense. In the Bible. Y'all, I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you the truth. I'd be satisfied to babysit you and get you my salary every week. But I want so bad for Dublin First Baptist Church to rock this community with the gospel of Christ. To the point where we wouldn't have to worry about the gambling joint on the corner because wouldn't nobody want to get down there because they'd want to be in here instead of there. Amen? Amen. Every heart would be so overwhelmed with the power of the gospel. But the fact of the matter is that we just kind of come in week to week and and we kind of do our thing here. You see, in the Old Testament, they put Jesus in a tabernacle, presence of God, and He stayed there. And then they built Him a temple. And they put Jesus, the power of God, in the temple. And people had to come there. But the first thing you see in this text, it says, and Jesus went out, and Jesus went out, and Jesus went out. People say, well, why are we doing all this stuff at the lake? Because Jesus went out. Why are we doing this stuff in New York? Because Jesus went out. Moldova, because Jesus went out. And the other places that God's going to open the doors in the day ahead, because Jesus went out. And, and he went out to do his father's business. Do you love him today? Do you want to be about his business? My prayer is that you do. But it begins with a relationship with him. Y'all, an encounter with the holy God. That relationship can happen right here, right now, if it never has. And Father, we come into your presence, Lord, thanking you for this... Tremendous and sweet group of people, God, that you've allowed me the privilege this morning to preach to. God, I pray that I've not preached Adam, but that, Father, our hearts are knit with your heart and we've just said those things that you would be pleasing, uh, that would be pleasing in your sight. God, I realize that the enemy is coming against us individually. God, he is coming against us as a church right now. And God, I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that he would be run out of this place as the demons were into the swine and that he would have no ability to distort what you're doing here. He would have no ability to derail the plan of God in this place. God, I pray that we would have our hearts so in, in, in your word and we would be growing and being nurtured in our faith that all the distractions of religion and ritual would not even be able to, to come and, and interrupt what you're doing in our heart. Thank you for the ministry of Christ, that he was about his Father's business. May we continue that ministry as the body of Christ, his arms, his legs, working together to bring about glory, honor, and praise to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, now have your way, I pray, in this time of invitation. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. Would you stand your feet all over the house of God? I know we've...